smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hello folks and welcome to why not mint money this is neel borate from the mint money team india seems to and the world seems to uh, stumble from one disaster to the next we had covid in 2020 2021 now we have uh, war uh, upon our hands in 2022 um the market however didn't suffer a great deal uh, strangely even even with covid and rebounded strongly 2020 and 2021 but it has taken uh, a big knock so far with the ukraine russia crisis so why is that to decode this question uh, and to look at the effects of this war on different kinds of asset classes we are joined today by dhaval kapadia who is director portfolio specialist at morningstar Why not mint money is a daily podcast on personal finance that helps you get smart about managing money. We help you understand basic money concepts to keep you from making bad money mistakes. Why not mint money is your one-stop solution to money matters. So, let's get started. Welcome to your money journey. Welcome Dhawan. Dhawan, so uh, you can tell us a little bit about what you do and what Morningstar does. Sure. You know, just quickly a little bit about Morningstar first. So Morningstar, uh, uh, as some of you might be aware, is a US-based company. We are headquartered in Chicago, and essentially, Morningstar is an investment research and uh, investment management firm. So it, it provides uh, you know research on on various instruments and asset classes, including mutual funds. global equities and several other asset classes uh, you know data as well along with that and and then uh, you know among among its several offerings we also sort of you know provide uh, investment management solutions to you know investors which include you know portfolio management or managed portfolio kind of services uh, in in countries such as the US UK Australia South Africa and India as well where we provide these kind of solutions and and talking a little bit about you know what i do out here uh, at morningstar uh essentially uh yeah, you know i i look after the uh, investment management offerings out here so uh, effectively uh, you know as i mentioned earlier that we we have an offering of portfolio management solutions in india as well these are you know multi asset kind of strategies investing across indian equity fixed income and international equities so i overlook you know those offerings out here so when i say overlook is that i'm involved in the you know portfolio management of uh, you know these Uh, uh, you know these uh, portfolios that we offer in India. Right, right. So that will, in popular parlance, that would be a PMS service. Um, Correct. I'm a little curious, given the um, industry-wide ban on in overseas funds, how are you guys dealing with that portion of the portfolio? Yeah. Uh, at the moment, yeah, it's definitely uh, a short-term challenge, uh, no doubt. So uh, one is obviously uh, we have. uh the existing investors are not directly impacted as you're aware money that's already sitting in those uh, in the international funds uh, uh you know c- continues to remain there it's for the fresh investments that we need to make uh that's that's a bit of a challenge no doubt so for the moment we are you know the portion of our portfolios again uh, the portfolios you know as i mentioned earlier have a mix of indian equities and international with indian equities forming a larger component as such and a smaller component to international equities so for the moment uh, the monies that need to be invested into international equities are being parked in liquid funds so you know awaiting sort of 
SEBI and, and uh, SEBI, SEBI is, you know, further guidance in that area in terms of, you know, once the limits, limits get raised, then, you know, obviously we will move that money into uh, international equities at that point of time. Right. So now let's turn to the subject at hand, uh, the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And the first uh, and strongest economic effect of that conflict has been on oil prices. Uh, again, close to $100 a barrel. Um, interestingly enough, oil prices were briefly negative when the pandemic first hit. They've gone from negative to zero to $100 a matter of two years. Um, for investors, how does somebody benefit from this? How does somebody possibly uh, take, you know, turn this into an advantage? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, one way, and if I were to try and obviously, you know, address the question directly in that sense is that uh, companies that would benefit out of higher energy prices, right, these would typically be, you know, companies that are, that are, uh, you know, producing or extracting some of these commodities or, you know, oil in this case, as the case might be. So companies that are involved uh, uh, in, in uh, you know, in those sectors or directly linked sectors would tend to benefit, right? and uh, and therefore, you know, generally speaking, the stocks related to those sectors would benefit. Now, the reason it's a general comment is, is because in India, it, it may work a little differently, right? Because I think uh, in India, obviously, you have a scenario where, uh, uh, you know, although uh, oil, uh, oil prices are meant to be or, or the prices that you, you know, that you actually pay for petrol and diesel for a vehicle are meant to be sort of market linked. But, you know, you have periods such as the current one where prices haven't been changed for a while, although globally crude oil prices have moved up, right, whereas locally, you know, because of, of uh, you know, prevailing state elections and so on and so forth, you haven't had a change in oil prices. So effectively, what's happened is that, in fact, the oil companies out here are taking a hit on their own, you know, um, on their bottom line because they are bearing the cost of those higher oil prices. So ideally, yes, you know, if, if prices were entirely market-linked, these companies would benefit and therefore as an investor, if you were invested in these companies, the ONGCs of the world or Reliance Industry, you know, these kind of companies, you would have benefited directly as prices, you know, were to move up. But in India, it's, it's a bit of a, um, uh, you know, the situation that we are in right now, the prices haven't been increased. In fact, some of these companies are taking a negative hit. But of course, there is an expectation, as we said, that, uh, you know, as, as one understands from, you know, various media communications is also that, you know, once probably the elections are done, you may see an increase in prices. Of course, the government is also debating whether, you know, they would actually cut taxes to reduce the overall impact. But then at least oil companies may not take as much as a hit as, as they have been in the last right, few right, weeks right. or such. Yeah. Now, Dhawal, if somebody wanted to take the mutual fund route to benefiting from high energy prices, um, as far as I'm aware, there is no sector fund dedicated to energy. Um, but could one look at um, broader diversified funds and see which ones um, are bullish in oil? Yeah. In fact, there is one fund, you know, which is a global fund. Again, the problem is today you cut uh, funds are, aren't allowed, but there is uh, a fund that invests into world energy in that sense. But it has got a mix of, you know, traditional as well as, uh, you know, new energy companies and, you know, underlying The DSP World Energy Fund. Exactly. That's the one. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, uh, but, but like I said, it's a mix of traditional as well as new energy. So that in a way might act as a bit of a counterbalance. But, but to your point, yeah, I mean, out here, uh, again, if you look at, you know, mutual funds, the typical diversified equity funds, essentially, that we are referring to, because there are no, you know, sector-focused funds that are investing only in energy sort of stocks or companies. 
not you know the, the number of stocks and and again if you look at the the kind of stocks that are available a good chunk of them are the public sector you know entities or units right and which have their own set of underlying challenges so uh, i'm not too sure how many funds will really have a significant overweight position or the percentage allocation even to energy you know barring a couple of the top names uh, you know like reliance and a few others you know the allocation may not be very significant um, uh, you know as such so so you know it's a bit of a challenge for investors truly if they want to really uh, you know benefit from this scenario obviously you know i i think that's that's a bit of an issue right so to, right right so there are no easy answers unfortunately uh, within india's domestic equity market exactly um, now let's turn to um, fixed income protect mutual funds um the natural corollary of higher oil prices is higher inflation therefore higher interest rates and therefore you lose money or make less money in debt mutual funds um how do you mitigate against this yeah i don't know if the transmission is it will be so straight and simple as that you know uh, because there are so many factors at play right first we said that uh, of course what you say is entirely right that uh, you know higher energy prices should peering to inflation but in india like we said you know petrol and diesel prices or pump prices haven't really been increased of late you know due to various factors that we mentioned earlier but sooner or later it's bound to happen in that sense but the other factor that's at play which which the government has been talking of is as we know there is a large component of the price of the price that you pay for petrol or diesel a liter of petrol or diesel a fairly large component probably in excess of 40 50% goes towards taxes so the government is also debating whether to reduce this so my point the point i'm trying to drive home is that if that were to happen right the underlying price uh, you know say out of 100 uh, you know 100 odd rupee that you're paying for a liter of petrol uh, if if one component which is the underlying price of of petrol itself were to go up but if taxes were to come down you know the total price may not move up as much right so therefore uh, uh, the immediate impact on inflation could be slightly muted but having said that it's not just uh, petrol or diesel or or energy as such if you look at there are other commodities as well which uh, you know russia is a big supplier of several other you know food commodities such as wheat um, and corn which you know about a large chunk about 13% of corn the world's corn comes from ukraine and uh, you know uh, combined russia and ukraine contribute about you know uh, 20-25% of the world's wheat. So it's not just the industrial. I mean, the metals. Of course, there are a bunch of metals which come from Russia as well. Uh, so it's not. So you know, the the impact could be you know slightly wider in that sense. So effectively, the bottom line is yes, there there could be potential impact on inflation. Uh, the government may not be able to control all of it. Uh, of course, I would say the government also is aware of the situation, and if this conflict. conflict extends beyond the point right i mean they would also be aware that the impact it could have on on inflation and so on so forth uh, and and they are also concerned about in, along with the rbi concerned about the impact on growth as well so i would say uh, one will have to you know wait and watch it may not sound as the best thing to do but then we'll have to look at the impact yes there will be an impact on inflation but to what extent right is something that one will have to you know right. watch out for uh, in that sense I think sometimes the best thing to do is indeed nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> now let's look at equity uh, Indian stock market overall, not just energy companies, not just oil companies. Um, 
what are the second order effects for them uh, one you know related one is that i can think of is uh, again inflation driving up interest rates and therefore hurting cyclicals banks and so on but would you say that again we should wait and watch not hurry to that conclusion yeah so i think uh, you know even if you take out the, the current conflict out of the equation right but even otherwise indian equities have had a very strong run as we, as we you know uh, you mentioned in your opening comments as well you know since the lows of march you know 2020 indian equities are, are up more than 100% so they effectively more than doubled small and mid caps have done even better than large caps as such so you know the returns have been very strong and the market has been sort of oftenly been pricing in pretty strong revival in the economy and earnings growth so effectively the markets have been pricing earnings growth over the next couple of years of about you know anywhere in the range of 20 25% which is pretty strong although you can say the base effect the base is low and things like that but uh, in other words in, in very short you know we, we were thinking that indian equities were any which way is a bit expensive you know because a lot of the optimism was priced in but the risk risk didn't seem to be priced in in that sense so uh, obviously you know if if this if this current conflict continues and the impact and as we've seen some escalation in tensions with the additional sanctions imposed you know by the us and so on and the eu over the weekend as well so uh, uh, you know there will be there could be and if, if commodity prices continue to remain elevated there will be impacts on on margins for companies out here so therefore this earnings growth number that we talk of you know that probably might have to be scaled down in the near term so a lot of these things are more you know near term that we are referring to over the next one to two years uh the expectation of earnings growth and things like that so there could be some of those margin pressures and therefore you're seeing markets you know slide down a bit they haven't uh, uh you know corrected very significantly as yet from peak you know down about you know 10 uh, percent a little bit more than that maybe but not a very very significant fall so net net we would still think that probably indian equities are still not in in very attractive or or you know cheap territory as such maybe that uh, expensive even particularly now given the current you know scenario uh, as well but but like we said just right. to sort of close that point out just to close that point i would say that you know a lot of lot of the times in the discussions are focused a little bit on the short term impact right and but if you look at from an investor point of view as you know uh, you know as some of the data we were looking at our teams were looking at in terms of you know such conflicts what is the typical impact on equity markets you know over the over you know say 3 6 12 month kind of periods and longer term periods we've seen generally you know whether it's um uh you know uh, the invasion of of uh, you know uh, say you know the conflicts in the middle east and so on and so forth so you know despite those markets have generally recovered over 12 month kind of periods at max even short short periods at times so for investors it's it's probably you know best to stay a little bit you know calm focus on on you know fundamentals and valuations uh is what i would sort of say right great so thank you dhawan uh, let me just quickly summarize what we discussed um and when it comes to energy stocks uh in india given the regulated nature of that sector uh, there is no obvious buying opportunity when it comes to fixed income since it's not a clear cut uh, transmission from high oil prices to high interest rates something that investors should just wait and watch for now and do nothing and for equities they remain pricey in your view but um in the long term i mean the, the impact of this war could might not be very very large in the long term so um 
So there we are, folks. Uh, if you'd like to know more about this, Morningstar also has a detailed note on this, um, uh, which you can, I guess, access on the Morningstar website. Um, thank you so much, Daval, for joining us. It was lovely having you. Thank you for having me. Folks, as always, you can reach out to me at um, on Twitter at ActusDay, A-C-T-U-S-D-E-I. You can also contact me on LinkedIn or you can email us at mintmoney at livemint.com. Thank you very much for listening in. For listening in we're also available on livemint.com and if you're old school then do pick up a copy of mint for some insightful coverage if you have any questions you want us to address do reach us out at ht smartcast we are present on twitter facebook and insta and if you want to connect over email write in to us at mintmoney at livemint.com until next time it's bye-bye this was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.